This is Performance Anxiety on the Pantheon Podcast Network, and I'm your host, Mark. My guest this episode is Simon Kerr of The Wands. We start the show discussing Guinness, Irish coffee, and mead. Makes sense. Simon was born in Ireland, and I'm mostly Irish. But he grew up in Northern Ireland, whereas I did not. His parents were both very musical and imparted that on Simon. It took such deep root in him that his dad is actually his writing partner to this day. That started when Simon was 16, but before he was reluctantly taking classical guitar lessons, learning a solid foundation whether he wanted it or not. During that time, his dad formed a very close connection to John Prine that was truly life-changing for Simon, and he reveals what the wands means and why he chose that name. We take a few detours in this conversation, almost like there weren't microphones in front of us. We talk a little bit about Cars and Simon's solo album, Doldrums. The Wands are releasing their latest album this summer, and Simon talked about why they record albums so quickly and the connection between the first Wands release and the upcoming one. Follow The Wands at The Wands on Instagram and go to Bandcamp and pre-order their upcoming album, Magical Touch, by their other albums. Follow us at Performance ANX on Twitter and Instagram, and you can support us by buying a cup of coffee at ko-fi.com slash performanceanxiety or merch with our logo at performanceanx.threadless.com. Now get ready to eavesdrop on my conversation with Simon Kerr of The Wands on Performance Anxiety on the Pantheon Podcast Network. Awesome. Hey, this is Simon Kerr. You're listening to Performance Anxiety. I'm from The Wands, and our record, Magical Touch, is coming out July 26th, so head over to our website and pick it up. How you been? Good, man. Good. Still, still a little groggy from St. Patrick's Day. Yeah. <laughs> Me too, and mass and everything. Just, I, I was thinking about Irishing up my coffee a bit. So, <laughs> yeah, it's right after St. Patrick's Day. I know we said we were gonna have a Guinness, but I, but I just remembered it's like shit. It's 10 a.m. I don't know. I don't know if I do. It. So I'm on the wall. <laughs> well, all right. Well, then I'll I'll do a little bit for both of us. Yeah. So, oh, and since uh, you mentioned in the email that you liked the episode with Pete and Leah, I thought I haven't opened this yet, but I do have. No way. The uh, motor oil. Kill- so did they, where'd you get, did they send that to you or were you able to buy it somewhere? I, I bought it. Uh, you can get it from the distillery, few distilleries. They do have uh, some for other bands like the Alice in Chains and okay. a couple other bands. Um, I haven't opened this yet because I've been trying to, I haven't had Rob on the podcast yet. I've had Pete and Leah a couple of times, yeah. but haven't had Rob and I was trying to persuade him or anyone in his camp to get him to come on by saying, I haven't opened this yet and I would like to crack it open with you on the podcast, <laughs> but I haven't heard anything back in, in a couple of months. So it may just get opened pretty soon anyway. Yeah, man. That's, I feel like I feel like there's so many celebrities now doing their own doing their own whiskey. And, yeah, or whatever. I'll tell you what's really cool before we start getting into everything is uh, I don't know if if you like this or not. I didn't think I would, but I love it now. Is mead? Oh yeah. There, okay. There is a meadery that two of the guys came on the podcast early on, and uh, they they do collaborations with bands too. Huh. And it's not my first experience with mead was that it, this like super sickly sweet honey yeah. wine thing, and it, I didn't like it at all. And then I'm, th- I'm trying to remember what I had. I had a band on, 
and they were talking about how they did this collaboration with this meadery and it was this mead and metal series that they've done. They take all these like super heavy metal bands and then do a mead with them. Yeah. So I reached out to those guys and they came on and they're like, we'll just send you a couple. So they sent me these two bottles of mead and they were amazing. They weren't this, yeah, they weren't this like super sweet, okay. artificial flavored tasting thing. They were amazing. So. Oh, interesting. Yeah. I, I haven't had a good experience with mead. We've got a, so I live in a place called East Nashville and literally next to us, there's a mead place. Oh, wow. I know. I still, I still haven't tried it yet, but I need to go try it. <laughs> yeah, if they do different flavors, especially. Uh, this place is called Brimminghorn Meadery there in Delaware, and man, it's so good. Yeah. They built this sure. whole Viking hall to have the uh, these events and stuff. It's just, it's a tasting hall, but it's decked out like this Viking great hall. It's just amazing. So where is that where you're located? I no, I'm in Virginia, but so I'm probably two or three hours away from from their shop. But uh, okay. I'm a little outside of DC. I'm about ninety minutes due west of DC. So I'm in Winchester. Okay. Nice man, awesome. Birthplace of Patsy Cline. <laughs> Since you're in Nashville, so. killer. Well, awesome so, man. So all right, so you've heard a few of the episodes, so you know kind of how it goes. Yeah, man, I love the one with uh, with Oliver from from uh, Death by Audio. Oh, awesome! Yeah, yeah. So I, I love their pedals. Remember the, one of the times we were in New York touring, we we went and knocked on Death by Audio's like they're where they make the pedals and like, can we take a tour? Oh, like, well, don't, don't do tours. I was like, oh. <laughs> wow. So I got a I got a sneak peek then because he was right in one of his uh, workshops. You, I got to you could see in the background all the guys moving around working around on some stuff. Have you, have you ever seen them play? Um, no. Death, or uh, God, Place the Very Strangers, yeah. No, I haven't. And mm, I'm dying to because all the pictures I've seen looks like the shows are so crazy. Yeah. We played uh, we played CMJ with them, and then they played the show in Nashville. And it was a friend of mine had like a little decibel meter on his phone. Yeah. And it was, I think it was 122 decibels he had. He had four Fender twins, and then he picked up one of the twins and put it into the crowd where it was crowd surfing the twin. Oh my! Sixing <laughs> the people. It's fucking. It was, it was awful. insane. <laughs> oh, the loudest show I've ever seen was Ministry. Actually, oh yeah, that was outdoors on I'm a ski up. resort, and I still had to hold my ears. Yeah, oh, it was <laughs> unbelievable. It was Lollapalooza '92. Oh, you were at that? Yeah, yeah, I was at Lollapalooza oh, yeah. '92 and and uh, '94. So uh, I went. Uh, okay. That was I was enormously into Pearl Jam and Soundgarden at the time, and this was yeah. just as Jeremy was exploding. So, whoa, it was, and my money was kind of tight. So I figured, you know, bang for my buck, I'll get a ticket for Lollapalooza and see a whole bunch of bands. You know, it, yeah. It didn't at that time. It didn't dawn on me that you know. If you're seeing them in a festival, you're seeing a shorter set and they're not going as nuts. So, but regardless, it was a great show and I got introduced to some amazing bands like Lush. I'd heard of the Jesus and Mary Chain, but never really listened to them. And so, yeah, so I, you know, I got to hear both of those bands and, and I, it confirmed my dislike of Red Hot Chili Peppers. <laughs> yeah. And then 94, I went specifically because I was a huge Smashing Pumpkins fan, but even more so, Verve was on the second stage, and I love Verve. 
That was during uh, what, what record was that? That was before that was, uh, right. that was even before that. That was before a Northern Soul came out. So it was right between a Storm in Heaven and a Northern Soul. Oh, yeah, yeah. So that was 94 because I think Northern Soul came out in 95. Yeah, that Northern Soul record is so fucking good. Yeah, I don't know if you if you knew this, but I guess uh, I think it was one of the guitarists helped. I think they helped BRMC out in a few records. That was the drummer. Is that is that what it was? Yeah, because yeah. Uh, Nick Jago was like strung out on drugs. They had to, they fired him, and they had a tour yeah. coming up. So they reached out to Pete Salisbury, and they're like, "Hey, uh, you want to play drums for us?" And he's like, "Sure." <laughs> But I think it was I think it was their guitarist though too was helped uh, produce one of the, or helped with like the guitar sounds it which might, you could hear Nick McCabe it's quite possible because I've reached out to him because I would he's one of my favorite guitarists of all time and uh, I've asked him to come on the podcast he actually replied to me and he said yeah probably and that was yeah. like yeah that was like a year ago and I've emailed him several times since and he hasn't responded to any of those so oh shit <laughs> well. So we're not here to discuss all kinds of people that you and I both know. We're here to discuss your band. Yes. So <laughs> what I first want to find out is where, so where are you from originally? Where, where did you grow up and, and what music were you listening to that really started to influence you? I was, so I was born in uh, Derry, which is Northern Ireland. Okay. And so, and um, my parents are both musicians. My dad's a songwriter and we're, we're actually songwriting partners since I've been 16. So we write everything together. Oh, that's awesome. We'll be right back after a word from our sponsors. Hello, Pantheon Podcast listeners. Christian Swain here to tell you more about my experience with Raycon earbuds. Our family now has three pairs of Raycon earbuds around the house. And my wife just grabbed a pair of the headphone pros to replace some headphones from a company that was double the price. And yes, she loves them. Now, if you haven't pulled the trigger on a pair of Raycons, or even if you have, but you're in the market for another pair because they're just that good, well, now is the time to check them out because they just launched their upgraded model of the best-selling everyday earbuds. With Raycon's upgraded everyday earbuds, now you also get active noise cancellation, ergonomic design, and multi-point connectivity that lets you pair with two devices at once, new quick charge function, three customizable sound styles plus awareness mode, available in a variety of vibrant new colors to complement any and all skin tones. I even have a pair of earbuds in a cool green color. I have tried just about every earbud known to humankind and these Raycons are fantastic. Seriously, if you've been wanting to check out Raycons, there truly is no better time. You're going to ask yourself why you didn't check them out sooner. And Raycon offers a 30-day happiness guarantee. So what are you waiting for? Go to buyraycon.com slash pantheon today to get 20% off your Raycon order plus free shipping. That's right. You'll get 20% off and free shipping at buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Before you skip over this ad, give me one minute. Like most podcasts, I pick sponsors carefully and I use the products that advertise here. Pure Spectrum CBD is a product that has been really beneficial for me. They have a wide variety of great products that can be used on a daily or as needed basis. I've been using the tincture every day and it's been wonderful for easing anxiety. And I absolutely love the isolate. 
I use it instead of acetaminophen or ibuprofen, and it's worked so well for the relief of aches and pains. They also have soaks, lotions, salves, gummies, and more, plus an entire line for fitness recovery. They even have products for your pets. See everything they offer at PureSpectrumCBD.com. And if you have questions, they're there to help. They helped me when I had no idea where to start. After you fill your cart, use code PERFORMANCEANX for 15% off your purchase. Pure Spectrum CBD, Pure Spectrum CBD, Pure Spectrum CBD. Yeah, so my, my parents mainly listened to like a lot of like Van Morrison, the Beatles, the Kinks, the Jam, like sort of like the 80s British scene. Yes. And Irish scene. Yeah, I was always around music. Our next door neighbor was this guy, uh, Michael Bradley, who was a, he was played bass in that band, The, the Undertones. Are you familiar with them? That's they not ringing a bell. Kinks. They had this song called Teenage Kicks. Teenage Kicks so hard to beat every time she walks down the street. I'll, I'll send it to you. Yeah, yeah. tours with like the clash and stuff but they were really killer punk band um oh cool. but yeah music was always always around me and then we moved to nashville when i was uh when i was 10 and so my dad was touring at the time with this guy john prime oh in Ireland. wow yeah. yeah and so they they were the ones that convinced us to move to nashville in america and so we so we did that and then just became good friends with them good friends with them and uh yeah so yeah, so, and then I was around a lot of songwriters here in Nashville, like uh, this guy, Guy Clark, who was like, he was like, uh, played with like Towns Van Zandt. Yeah, I'm familiar with him. Yeah, so songs have always been like, uh, I've always been obsessed with songs and just like song structure. And then I became obsessed with loud music <laughs> and then I sort of tried to morph the two. <laughs> so but, what was the first instrument that you started playing with? And was it like something that you wanted to play or was it something that you had to like your parents? All right, you're, you're learning piano. It, yeah, it was like, it was classical guitar. It was like, so my parents put me in a, a classical guitar program here and I fucking hated it at the time. <laughs> <laughs> I bet, I was, man. This, yeah, this is from when I was like nine till 14. And then I, then I stopped and then I picked up guitar again when I was maybe 18 or 19. And the, the classical guitar lessons really paid off, you know, subconsciously. Yeah, <laughs> that, you know, I can't even imagine when you're that age, that's the last thing you want to do is, is learn like Segovia. Yeah, and that's exactly what it was. Yeah. yeah. And that, that's what I was joking. I remember when we went over to Alan Johannes's place. Cause he's like a monster, like he can do like flamingo and shit. Yeah. And I, I was playing in like some Segovia and he's like, no, watch this. It's <laughs> <was> like, oh <laughs> So you're taking classical guitar lessons, hating it. When do you yeah. start playing with uh, other people? I mean, and are you playing in public at this point since, you know, your, your family is so deep into music. Are you, are you performing out at that young Evan age? Yeah, I was doing I was doing a lot of like acoustic kind of stuff and it was very like Nick Drakey kind of stuff and I, I just I finally got bored of playing solo and so 
at the time I was, I was, I was dating this girl and, and her roommate's boyfriend was an engineer. He was with this guy, Vance Powell, who's like, a, Vance does like a lot of like the rock and tears, white stripes. Oh, back. Okay. And so he was, he was his assistant engineer and he played drums and I'd never played music with anyone ever. So it was just the two of us. We started in this like old warehouse and, um, wow. and it was like, it was nerve wracking. I just, I kept apologizing. I'm like, I'm sorry. I fucked up. He's like, dude, we're making it up as we go. <laughs> well, that um, sounds like it was good after so much structure of, of with classical guitar to have somebody just sing, just yeah. relax a little bit. Yeah. So yeah, we did that. And then we recorded our first EP in 2012 and we did it. Really? So this, this, this guy, Vance Pal has like a, he's like an, an analog King. So it was all like, we recorded a tape and we did it in two days. It was like six songs. And it was just, it was my first time in a real studio. And it was, it was so cool. Was that the wands or was that something else? Yeah, that was the, it was the first EP. So oh. we had a few songs that did sort of well. We had this one called I Like the Party and Want You, which is like a, and I told Peter this, it was a Peter Hayes. It was a rip off of a, off a BRMC song. This, <laughs> this riff that I got. <laughs> like tv commercials and tv shows and it paid it helped it helped us stay afloat while we were touring which was nice i listened to that and that you guys did that in two days is incredible but five spot and shoot for the thrill are my two favorites off of that oh nice Hell yeah definitely have a brmc feel to it listening to a lot of beer mc and then i was like i need to stop listening to them because i'm gonna keep fucking copying <laughs> which is what every band does they listen to you know their influences and yeah. then morphs into something but exactly uh, exactly you got to give it that time to develop you know you're going to sound like your influences with the rare exception uh and then you just it starts to grow as as you find your own voice so yeah but yeah we did so we we had that we had that record and then we did um our last lp which was called he said she said and we did we did that with this guy dave cobb who's like a he's a big time producer now yeah at the time he was he was on his way up but he's doing like chris stapleton and rival sons and wow. everyone else i think he just did barry gibbs record <laughs> oh my god yeah wow yeah that was super fun and then we just toured really heavily until I think it was by 2017. We did a bunch of tours with like uh, this band called Whiskey Myers and Dead Sarah, and we did a bunch of festivals. And it was a blast. So and then, what, yeah, we just took a break. What is a wan? A wan. So a wan, a wan is like an inside joke. It's it's a so in Derry in Northern Ireland, you'd say you'd say, oh, them wans over there, they're they're uh, they're fucking way drunk. Them wans over there. <laughs> and so it was it was honestly like a. 
we had we had our first show booked and we didn't have a band name and the guy was just like well what's the name of the band and i was just like oh the wands and then i was just and then it just sort of stuck and i was just like all right i guess we're just gonna keep that that oh my gosh that's that's one of the things i hear so often is is that we, we had all this music we had no name yeah, and yeah. I you get these these very unusual names. It's a, yeah, any any. T- I remember the the first time I went back to to Ireland to see my cousins, and I told them the name of the band that they were just like, "No fucking way, are you serious?" That's <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. I'm sorry, <laughs> but it worked. You know, yeah. we're on the radio, we're on we're on commercials, and I'm touring yeah. with all these people. So hey, yeah. <laughs> Those songs, were those also, on, on the first EP, were those also written with your dad or were those more of, yeah? oh, wow, that's awesome. Yeah, so the, the process that we do is we, we would set aside it, it was like every Sunday, we would write a song, just me and him, and then I would take it to the band and then we'd build it up and wow. sort of make it make it rocky. But yeah, it's it just my, some you know, some father, sons, they go fish and me and my dad, we just like to ride together and that's sort of what we enjoy doing. And it really, it works. That's beautiful. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. Me and my yeah. dad used to restore antique cars. So this is totally oh, yeah. oh yeah. Yeah. So did we. Yeah. My, my first car was a 72 Oldsmobile 442. Ooh, I love it's, that. That with the, the rear fender flare on the. Yeah. Oh. The, W30 hood, the 400 block. Was- my fir- All right, so my my first car was a 65 Ford Falcon with a oh, nice. 302. Yeah, oh. well, we, we put a 302 in it, but we could never get it running. It, when the guy we bought the engine from put, like, combined uh, solid and hydraulic lifters in it, and we had to go. And then I didn't keep up my end of the bargain by keeping my grades up, and so my dad's like, eh, the car's gone. <laughs> so, but... That was when I was like 14. So when I was able to drive, my first actual car was a 1953 Ford F100 with a, yeah, with a small block Chevy in it, a 400 Chevy. Three on the tree? No, but that is what I learned to drive a stick on, on a 41 Ford with a 283 Chevy V8 like from 55. is an old, old original 50s hot rod. So oh, wow. It was crazy. Yep. My, uh, the, so the first, the first car my dad bought, he started restoring it when I was like 13 or 14. It was a 280Z and then, yeah, it was 78 280Z, a Datsun. And then we were like halfway through, we had primered everything. And then we found this Cutlass and I was just like, fuck the Datsun. I want that. Yeah. Cherry, it was like cherry red. Oh but man. Blew a rod through the block. The first, the first year I had it. <laughs> Trying to on the interstate, which was a terrible idea. Oh no! I had a, a '72 El Camino that had something, something similar to it. It was a, a fake SS, but it was it looked nice. It was like this soft, soft yellow. It wasn't that like this awful, offensive yellow. It was a soft with the black stripes on it. But we had yeah. a '70 SS 454 Chevelle that was just insane. Damn man, killer! Oh, we made we, we used to my dad would i mean he had a good job and it was the 80s in the 80s 90s so things weren't as crazy as as crazy expensive as they are now but he would buy these we would fix them up and he'd sell it wouldn't really wouldn't make any money i mean at best you probably i mean he made money on a few but probably break even just enough to buy the next project and work on that so, yeah, yeah. But, cool i mean there's between the two of us we've probably owned like 150 cars at, um, seriously yeah, wow. yeah yeah it's just it's insane um 
But one of my favorites was my 1989 SHO Taurus. That was just insane. Oh, oh yeah, that's right. It was like the it was the V6 high performance model, right? Yeah, it had an engine. It was like a mix. The engine was was the block was built by Ford, and and like the heads and the intake and all were built by Yamaha. So it was just what? like this. Yeah, it was okay. like this insane, almost motorcycle V6 inside his little the sedan. And I got that thing on the high. I got up to about 140 and I didn't have much pedal left, but I still had some. And I was like, I, I, I'm, this is too much. Yeah. <laughs> but that, I love that thing. Oh, man. The fast that we, we just did a road trip to, to New Orleans. A friend of ours just got one of these new Rivian trucks. It's mm. like the all electric. Yeah. And so it was the first time getting to drive yeah. those and it was scary fast. It was like zero to 60 in three seconds. Which is for an eight thousand pound truck. <laughs> Doesn't make sense. God, that's, <laughs> that is amazing. Yeah. Uh, All right, so we, yeah, I, I can see we're going to be taking a lot of detours on this show. Yeah, that's fine. <laughs> that, I love doing that. All right, so you mentioned that you're torn a lot after the EP. Yeah. And then two years later, he said, she said, came out. The music has definitely grown at that point. I mean, I it's less blues. And to me, yeah. it sounds more, th there's a little more of an Alice in Chains type of influence, a little heavier. Yeah. The harmonies are wonderful. So it's, there's, I definitely hear a lot of growth in that. You just say wonderful? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think I did. And if, they, if it was accidental, it's not. <laughs> no, the, yeah, the, the sound definitely changed and that, that goes back to, us doing it was it was the first time we had recorded with a producer which was dave cobb right and so he was um his studio was amazing we recorded on this old uh helios board it's like what zeppelin one and two were recorded on an old it's a really swanky old british board from the late wow. 60s and uh he was he was nice enough to just lend his hand to us and yeah record us and that was that meant a lot but it definitely helped our career a bit oh so, bet, yeah he played in this band called the tender idols in the, I guess it was in the nineties, but he was like obsessed with like the verve and blur and all the Britpop kind of stuff. So we bonded over that nice. as well as like Alice in Chains grunge kind of stuff. And I was listening to a lot of Nirvana then too, as I have been since I was a kid. Right. <laughs> so most yeah. of your stuff is done at least at that point was, was all analog. Yep. And that was, which is, I, I guess at, this day and age unusual because that came out in what uh is it 16 14 okay yeah yeah so basically everything's been like the first record was done on tape so it was the second and then the third was recorded with analog gear but we recorded it to you know pro tools okay we didn't use tape so yeah uh, okay. and that was that's the run baby run ep mm -hmm. okay so yeah before we hit into that i did want to tell you how much i actually, I, I love the song turn your back Oh, nice. That, oh man, that's, that's so cool.
was so hard to record. <laughs> really? It's, it's a great riff, but the, the, the harmonies under the background is just amazing. I love it. Oh, thanks, man. Yeah, we, we did the Mark who was playing drums at the time. He just did like a drum loop and we just looped it throughout the whole thing. And then me and uh, Thomas, who plays bass, we just played along to it. Okay. And it was, uh, yeah, that, I think that was the most production out of any track on that record. So at that, that was the time uh, Noah had left at that point then? Yes. Uh-huh. Okay. Yeah. He went to go play with this band who we're still friends with, Tyler Bryant and Shakedown. And okay. so they're, I mean, they were doing big tours with like ACDC and Guns N' Roses. And now he's since left and he's back, back playing with us. Back in the fold. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you guys have had a pretty consistent release schedule. Since every couple of years, something's coming out. And Run Baby Run, no exception. Seeing Red. Cool. Yeah. What a great That's- song that's a great example of hearing how the so- the sound of the band has progressed while still keeping a sound the band's sound and that's to me is always amazing how you can hear and tell it doesn't sound like something off the first ep but sure. it sounds like the band and it, it that to me is always impressive when i when you can hear progression but still yeah. some familiarity Yeah, that's that's my favorite track on that EP, that C in Red. Oh, yeah. There's so much movement in the in the chords and that's that one's hard as shit to play live. <laughs> so. We'll be right back after a word from our sponsors. Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. So uh, are you guys at this point still playing live a whole bunch? I mean, con- yes. like, is it constant? Well, yeah. So the, so the last run maybe run happened in 2016 and then we took, we, we toured up until 2018 and then I did a solo record and, yes. then, we, and then, you know, we took a, we, we took a, well, 2020 happened. We were in the middle of trying to write a record and then, um, yeah, so then we just sort of stopped for until twenty twenty one. So the the solo record was that done after you guys had decided to take a, a break. I mean, or was, was that stuff written specifically to be a solo record? Yeah, it was. But it was. I mean, it was all the it was all members of the Wands and a bunch of other friends that played on it. So it was just like. Uh, yeah, it was because I love like I love like Nick Drake and all that kind of stuff, and I just needed to I wanted to get those particular songs off my chest, and it was sonically completely different from the band. And, it really uh, is. It's uh, so it's, it's called Doldrums, and yeah. it was. Let's see. So you, you did mention actually just about all the, the members of the Wands show up on that at some point. Songbird is 
like that's my favorite followed up by the title track that oh nice i love songbird that's such a beautiful track thanks man softer it's moodier more acoustic based yeah i wasn't sure when i saw it coming up i was just i wasn't exactly sure what to what it would be and i i was thrilled when i heard it it's just and, and was that stuff that you'd also written with your dad yep <laughs> so the, okay yeah. so is that kind of the way the songs start off you, you write them with your dad and before they become wandsed is that what they sound like? The yeah. stuff that ends up on doldrums before the band gets a hold of them? Yeah, I mean they they, they sound like they sound like folk songs okay. when we write them, and then and then you know one, and then once I once I plug in, then the songs always change because I want to put fuzz on everything. <laughs> <laughs> so, but I get yeah. that. Yeah, that's that's another thing my dad and I are big fans of are vintage guitars with uh, like a forty-one Martin and a sixty-four Gibson Junior. I've got I've got way too many guitars, more than cars than, than you have. <laughs> and I've got one halfway decent guitar and a bunch of no two. I take that back. I have a nice I have a decent acoustic, a decent Mexican strat, and then a bunch of junk. Like three other <laughs> guitars that are just I if they caught fire today, I wouldn't cry. But they make weird noises, which is what I like. So Oh yeah. I get a yeah. I like getting weird effects pedals and, and making weird noise. I can't really play very well, but I like to make noise. Yeah. I just picked up this, uh, well for the, on the new record, I bought this, this pedal specifically for that. I envisioned the sound to sound like, and it was this, uh, it's a Univox super fuzz. So it's a, it's a pedal from 1969. It's the Stooges sound. And so I, I put it on the entire new record and <laughs> oh, okay. Oh my gosh. So we, we are coming up to the new record, but I wanted to find out a little bit about the gap in between albums here. You know, we had a whole pandemic kind of going yeah. on too. We, first of all, we still writing throughout that gap period where there wasn't a Wands album coming out and you weren't doing solo stuff. Were you still writing? Yeah. Yeah. So I was, I was still writing a lot and you know, the beginning of 2020 was weird. You know, some people reacted differently to it um, yeah. as far as like, and, and that sort of, it, that hindered like our rehearsals, you know, we, we, want, yeah. <laughs> we couldn't really meet up or anything, but yeah, I was, I was still writing and, um, Mark who was playing drums in the band. So he, he moved back to Pennsylvania. So we sort of had, we sort of had to start from scratch and like rebuilding it up. And so that's when our friend Noah stepped in and that was, we started, we started getting back together and I think it was the beginning of 2021 to start playing. And, and I had all of these songs written up and, and then I was able to convince them to go into the studio to record. But nice. yeah. Was there a catalyst to get the band back together or, or was it, that was the plan before the pandemic hit, you guys were going to get back together and, and record something else anyway. 
Yeah, that was the plan. It was after the pandemic to get back together, but you know, Mark had, Mark had decided to move back, and so it's just like it's like, all right, I'm gonna make this happen, and um, yeah, I did because I mean, we had we maybe had like three or four of the songs before COVID hit, and then I wrote the rest of them. But the three or four songs was that magical touch song, which is, is out now. Right? Yeah, and- their very first single. that song had legs and I was just like I was like we have to fucking record this and uh, the band has expanded now there's more people in it yeah and so we got our we got our good friend Akshay Narang and so he's been he's been a good friend of ours for the past 10 years and he's he's like uh into synths and he, but he's been playing guitar and stuff but his he brought his musical influences with him as well like he's big into like you know like Depeche Mode and like Ministry and like you know sort of that kind of stuff the band that still hurts my ears <laughs> yeah, yeah, man. It's like the the sound has morphed again into something that I think is really special that I'm really excited for. So, um, who's in? Who's? It, what is? Uh, My lips <laughs> are sticking together. I need to hold on. I need some more uh, some more coffee. <laughs> there we go. So, who's in the band now? So, Bag is on bass, so he's been playing bass with us since 2013, 2012. Uh, Akshay playing synth guitar, Noah on drums, and then myself. So instead of a three-piece, it's a four-piece. And honestly, adding another another person helps me breathe a bit playing because a three-piece was a, was a blast, but it's it's so demanding. I can imagine. <laughs> I mean, and you guys don't have. Oh, I guess I should phrase it this way: you guys have a dense sound. So I can't imagine trying to recreate that live. I mean, I always love when stuff sounds a little bit different live than it does in the studio. But as a musician, I can imagine, you know, you don't want it. It sounds so dense on the album. You don't want it to sound thin live. Yeah. Well, the nice thing about that is like all of these songs, like everything that we've recorded as the wands is really easy to replicate, except for Turn Your Back, because that one's really hard. (laughs) Uh, it's mainly uh, not to say easy, but it's just easy because we recorded it all live and we know we can play it live. I mean, obviously getting the sonics right of the tones and stuff is yeah. is the trick, but it's yeah, we can do it live. <laughs> so I did read that the new album is or was recorded live. Is that the way you've done everything is to basically record it live to tape? Yeah. Yeah. So that's that's even more impressive. Yeah, for me, the studio is like a. I'm terrified of the studio. Like it's, it's always like before, like the first few days, I'm just so anxious, but I love playing live. Like that's what I love to do. But, um, which is one of the reasons we always record live is just to get it over and done with. <laughs> it's like, all right, all right, there we go. Is that why you, you guys don't stay in the studio very long then too? Cause I, I don't know if the first EP was done in like two days. I think this yeah. one was, was done in like a week or something. Yeah. It's done in a week. Yeah. God. But, yeah, well, I think it's uh, honestly, I think it's better. I think it's better to record things quickly just because you don't have time to overthink things. I mean, you can yeah. spend a lot of time yeah. mixing and stuff, which but, I don't do. <laughs> it, but if you don't have 97 takes of something, you got to work with what you got. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> well, let me, let me go check out 
take number 29. That might be <laughs> hit one like note differently. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you mentioned the song Magical Touch, and I mm. like that so much. And the video is yeah. great. And it's such a great homage to Hunter S. Thompson. Yeah. Whose idea was it to do something like that? So it was... <laughs> it was it was mine. I mean, like I, I love Hunter S. Thompson and I love the Fear and Loathing, and it was just like uh, my so our good friend Jason Denton. He's the guy that directed it, and he's collaborated with me on on everything. He does all the artwork. He did the artwork for Magical Touch and basically all the other records. But yeah, I just came with him with that idea, and he's he was like, "Fuck yeah, man, let's do it." And um, <laughs> yeah, we just had the idea of taking mushrooms and then just seeing where the day went. <laughs> They were real mushrooms. No, they weren't. <laughs> but yeah, man, that, that video was an absolute blast. We're in the middle of, we're going to be doing another video for one of the other singles in the next few months. It comes across that you guys are having a blast because it looks like everybody's just insane in that. It's just hilarious. <laughs> yeah, that's, it shows all of our Nashville haunts over the years. There, the, there's a scene down there. It's called There's a bar. It's called Melrose Billiards, which is where we shot. And it's like this old pool hall from the from the twenties. And that's where like I used to go down there when I was when I was younger. John Prine used to always play snooker down there, and like it's it's got a cool history. Good. Yeah, I used to go hang out with John, play some pool. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. he was a pool shark. You know what? That does not surprise me. I gotta say, that does not surprise me at all. <laughs> you guys have also released the second single recent. I guess just a few days ago, as of this recording, and yep. other side. I think that might be my favorite track on the album. Oh, no, really? I, okay. I absolutely love that song. That's just, I don't know, just the feel of it. It's just, it resonates with me. I, I love it so much. Yeah, the the I think the the writing for um, the writing for this record in particular changed. Like um, my dad and I actually had a discussion. We were just sort of studying a lot of um, studying a lot of like the songwriters, like Guy Clark and Townsend, and how simple they're um, just uh, simplifying like a lyric to be as simple as possible to make it pop through the music. Okay. And, uh, I don't know. Okay. Yeah, it's, it. We um, we definitely we definitely planned that out, and it's. I think that the songwriting has morphed into something cool, cooler it, than before. It has. It's 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 like the music. It, you know, it's evolving, and it's it it fits with the music. And I th I think you just you put it perfectly where it cuts through a lot better the way you've written this. It's yeah. just it it has it's more impactful. Yeah. Yeah. So, so do you yeah, guys have a, a video uh, for this one coming up for other side or no, not, not for that one. We've got, we're, we're going to do one for uh, this song called like the way you used to, which is my, which is going to be the full single. And that's, that's my, that's one of my favorite tracks on the record oh, okay. um, for me. I'm 
so we're gonna do a video for that one and um but yeah and the the other side one the the super fuzz pedal i was talking about that's the the guitar solo at the, at the very end yes that's and that's 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 my uh yeah that's my favorite guitar solo on the record oh cool well i'll tell you what one hit me i think maybe hit me the most is the one at the end of enough of your love all oh, right first of all that initial guitar riff is amazing but the solo at the end that whole extended coda is just awesome it sounds like like if if you had my bloody valentine but not as processed <laughs> like if you took the only shallow and had that that riff that was going through but stripped yeah. away all the processing and the effects and just had a simple you know yeah. fuzz tone on it it reminds me of that oh nice man huge my bloody valentine fan so that yeah that. on guitar on the end of that part that's yeah. fantastic i think we had like 10 pedals it was all, like all fuzz. i was just like oh. <laughs> man you get some weird sounds doing that yeah <laughs> <laughs> and I, the other one that really stood out for me and the whole album is so good but what's the, the i'm just mentioning the ones that really really stood out for me i'd do anything that's got this super nasty tone, especially on the guitar solos. Yeah. That the feedback blasts throughout that. That's the that's what I love. Yeah, that's that's my other favorite one too. That that one started off as like just a, an acoustic ballad, and I just thought it was like the yeah, I know. Wow. yeah. When I was writing it, it started off as an acoustic ballad. Oh my god! But I thought the I thought the um, lyrically and the harm and like the, the melody is just very like ominous and but ominous and sexy, you know. Oh yeah. Hey, those but, two things are not mutually exclusive. <laughs> well, yeah, the, I mean, the whole the whole record, like lyrically, is is very um, it's very it's very positive, which I think was needed after after twenty twenty and twenty twenty one, and still yeah, twenty twenty three, twenty twenty four. Who knows? There's also another really cool aspect of this album, and it's the serendipity with the uh, so far the release date. Yeah. There, yes. Okay. I need you to explain this connection because I don't want to do it. So we so we released the first EP in J July 26, 2012. And so because it had been so long since we we had since released a record, I wanted it to have some relation back to the first record. And so we decided to release it July 26, 2023. That's awesome. And, uh, I don't know. It was 
because we had we had these like ongoing arguments in the band of whether we should do like release a single or an EP, and I was just like, it's like no, it's like if we're gonna do anything, we're gonna release a full record. Oh, and so oh. it's just I, I like the, I like the meaning behind it because it just it brings back memories of the first record, and this honestly this feels like this feel I feel the excitement of the first record for this one. It feels like yeah. Oh, that is awesome. So yeah, so I'm, I'm super pumped. The whole album's got this great fuzz tone to it. It sounds like a great rock record from you know the '70s. It's got that awesome analog fuzzy yeah, yeah. sound to it. It's awesome. One oh, of the man, other that... really cool things is the artwork for the cover. That also has a throwback feel to it. Oh man, you got it right there. <laughs> yeah we were so jason denton did did the artwork and we were um so he's been uh so we were talking about a lot about like salvador dali and like that kind of like trippy kind of artwork yeah and so he's been exploring with uh with with ai and like coming up with designs and so so basically he'll he'll type in something and it'll, it'll pop up and then he'll tweak it and that's parts of this were all done via ai wow this is insane but I think I think the first time I saw it, it reminded me of like a like an ELO cover or something. Yeah, I was thinking <laughs> ELO or a, a, I don't know why Alan Parsons came into my head. But, uh, maybe not Alan Parsons. Maybe something Prague almost. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Because yeah. <laughs> not not a Roger Dean, but yeah, it's just something from the '70s. It definitely has a '70s feel to it, which goes with the sound, which I yeah, which is fantastic. Yeah. Very happy with it. What is the, or what is, what are the plans with the band in the upcoming year? So the album, you've got some pretty cool, I don't know what I, what you're allowed to say, what, what I can say. So let's just say, I know you've got some really cool appearances coming up in the near future. Yeah. So we're, the plan is to tour this year. So we're sort of, we're getting everything together with that. And then we just got, we've got some, we've got some local shows in Nashville for right now. But nothing that I, uh, yeah, I can't really, I can't divulge too much of the things that are in, in the works, but right. it's going gonna, it's gonna to be really exciting. I'm, I'm, I'll, I'll be excited to get back on the road. It's been so long. And it's going to be some, some higher profile things are in the works. Sure. Yeah. I would love to see you guys do this stuff live. So if you guys come to DC, DC area, Virginia, Maryland, I would yeah. definitely be at a show. Absolutely. Yeah. We played the, we were with that band, Whiskey Myers, and we did the 930, I think it was a 930 club in DC. Yep. And that, that was super cool. That's a great club. Yeah. I like that place. It's, it's fun to shoot. I do a lot of uh, photography, uh, live music photography, and that's one of the, my favorite places to shoot. It's really, really okay. easily accessible for photographers. There's other clubs that aren't as accommodating. So Black Cat, isn't that one of them? Black, Black Cat's, Cat. Black Cat's one of them that is a really cool club to see a show at. It's a horrible place to shoot. Like at the 930, there's a little alleyway between the crowd and the stage. There's a little, that's so I can go in and I can shoot. There's yeah. none of, no separation between the stage and the crowd at Black Cat. So really. if okay. it's a popular, if it's a popular band or they've got a following, if I can't, I'm, and I'm a short guy, so I can't go and, and stand up and, and shoot over people. You know, sure. I'm like five foot six on a good day. <laughs> so I, I've got to kind of find a spot and shoot between people. And if yeah. I've shot Woven Hand at Black Cat and I've shot Max Sabbath 
and oh, Max Sabbath, no way. Yeah, oh, I'll I have to send you those some shots of the it's, it's in the, or check out my Instagram, uh, Mark X Shay. Okay, yeah, there and oh, it was that's one of the best concerts I've been to in my entire life. So they were sonically, there was it was actually cool. Yes. Max Sabbath. Okay. Yeah, Max Sabbath was amazing. It's just, and for anybody who doesn't know, it's a band that takes the songs of Black Sabbath <laughs> and they rewrite the lyrics to warn you of the dangers of fast food and GMOs. <laughs> and each of the musicians dresses up as a McDonald's character. <laughs> it's amazing. It is really amazing. I had their manager on the podcast mike odd I, i'm speechless because it was it was an amazing weird interview and it was just an insane show yeah but some of the best pictures i've ever taken in my life and i, I loved that show it was so great so you've so have you interviewed some of the guys from brian jones time massacre too didn't you do one with one of those i i did have one guy ricky Miney. That's what it was. Yes. Yeah, I, I, listened, I listened to that one. I really liked it. Oh, yeah. good. Ricky is such a great guy. We, we, oh, that was one of those that lasted like three hours. <laughs> All right. And I had to edit so much out of it. And it's still, I got it down to like two and a half. Yeah. Oh, but he's <laughs> such an awesome dude. I know they just put out a new record um, like a few weeks ago or pretty recently. It's, yeah. It's pretty good. Yeah, and I think the last time they came to D.C., I was hoping to go, but I miss it. And the same with the Dandy Warhols. I missed them as well the last time they came because I was shooting another band. I do, I do photography for a local D.C. Uh, music, live music blog. Um, oh, nice. And when, when, I have, when I see that bands that have been on the podcast are playing live, a lot of times I'll see if, if I, uh, they'll let me come and shoot them too. So it's one of those two ways I usually get in and we'll see a band. And, uh, yeah. Nice, man. Yeah. And, and most of the time, uh, well, I should say all of the time, I basically just trade get going into the show and a photo pass and, and maybe a plus one for photos. I'll just send the band the photos. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. Man. Yeah. So is that your, is that, is that your, is that your, your job as well? Like, it, well, photography used to be my job. Yeah. I, I went to college for it. And so I did that for about 12, 15 years, something around, somewhere around there. And then nice. um, my wife and I started a family and I had to get a real job <laughs> insurance and everything. I hear you. <laughs> so, so now I, I kind of dropped out of it, except for just shooting the kids and, and, and all for years. And then uh, doing this podcast, I started getting back into music, you know, even more intensely than I was at first, you know, before then. Started getting back into photography and the very first band I ever shot um, I had Kelly Scott from Failure and Jordan Zadarazzi from Blink of the Star on yes. and Kelly I, I, I said hey you know I'd love to take some photos of you guys he's like hell yeah he's like I'll get you a pass no big deal so they played at 930 and I went down and, and uh, met up with Kelly we met before the show he gave me everything and I, I went and I, I shot the whole show and uh, gave him some pictures so. yeah I, I got dragged to a Failure show uh, and I had no idea I've never listened to them before, but it was the Fantastic Planet. Like they're, it was like the they were playing it in its entirety. Yes, in Nashville, and I was just like, "Holy shit, this is amazing!" They are. <laughs> and they're, they're fantastic live. You know, they're one of those bands that can, no matter how complex they write a song, they can, as a trio, they can pull it off live. Yeah, and yeah, every once in a while, they'll. Back when Fantastic Planet came out, they expanded. They had Troy Van Leeuwen. That's right. And yeah. uh, 
you know, even without him touring now as a, a you know, back to the three, the trio, they're still pulling it off and it's just yeah. amazing. Yeah. Fantastic band. And another band Troy played with as well, that band Autolux. Do you know that? Yes. You that? Autolux is great. I haven't sure. been able to see them live, but I do have some of their albums, but, and well, you probably know this. Greg Edwards also plays in Pussifer. Oh yeah, that's right. And so, so does his partner, Karina Round. She's a singer. Wow. So yeah. I haven't actually given them a solid listen like, like I really should, but our, my bandmate Akshay, he and Noah, they love Pussifer. They were trying to get me to go to one of their shows. I sent, yeah, send me a record after this that I should listen to. It's, of course. it's a, it's a weird band. Yeah. It's a weird, weird ass show. Um, okay. The latest show is all about aliens and the government. And it's, I mean, it's typical Maynard stuff, but I was saying with you, I didn't really get into a Pussifer until the show, the show in DC. And it was with that live blog. I reached out and I'm like, I saw them coming. I'm like, I'd love to shoot this band. I mean, how often do you get a chance to shoot anything yeah. with Maynard? Just for the opportunity to say I shot, Maynard would, would be pretty cool. Yeah. Somebody had already claimed the photo pass. So the blog was like, we've got photos, but they don't want to write the article. We, we, you know, we've got another ticket. If you want to go and write the article, feel free. Yeah. So I was like, okay, sure. So I, to do that, I had to go and, and get familiar with their music and I started listening to it. And there's some really good stuff in there. I, I was, the first stuff I heard of it was more electronic and stuff. And I was like, God, no, electronic stuff isn't, I'm not the biggest fan of Depeche Mode and Ministry. And all. So, yeah. so eh. but there's enough on every album to keep me interested. And the last couple okay. albums are just really, really solid. So, okay. and awesome. they pull it off live too. That's just, I mean, they've got Greg Edwards on bass too. It, didn't they do wasn't like their live show? Didn't they have like a rest a wrestling thing going on behind them or something? They hit. I think that was the uh, the album before their latest one because when I was at the show, it was in this little it was in this theater. It's a very historic theater in DC called the Warner Theater. Yeah, they only and and this is an aside. They only let you shoot two songs, of, oh. of, of two songs worth of photos, and okay. uh, then they tell you not not and they also tell the audience. If we see you on your phone, we will confiscate it. So they're, uh, they don't want, yeah, they don't want any videos leaking of their, of their show. They don't want anybody uh, to know what's going on before that. But while I was in line waiting to get my pass, some dude came up in a luchador outfit and they made him take half of it off <laughs> so before he could get into the theater because he had the mask on and I'm like, you can't get him, come in here with a mask. What are you nuts? <laughs> So they made him take like the mask and the cape and, and all that to check his boots. And what the fuck? It was insane. I'm, I'm sitting there. I just see this luchador in line getting frisked. I'm like, this is the weirdest am thing. I right now? Yeah. <laughs> am, I taking, yeah. am I taking mushrooms? Am I, am I hanging out with Simon now? What's going on? <laughs> but yeah, it's, it, they're coming back around the, uh, this summer. And uh, so I might go see him again uh, with 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 uh, uh, Kurt though this time. So that, that would be pretty cool. Nice man. That's awesome. So, so where is the album going to be available? How can people find the new album magical touch? 
So the record will be, it'll be everywhere, Spotify, Apple, and then we've got our, you know, I understand people listen to streaming a lot, but uh, if you if you go to our Bandcamp, you can order our vinyl, which is, you know, that's that's sort of how we'll make money is actually selling records. Yeah. You know, I didn't want to, I didn't want to put any CDs up. I don't think, I don't know, do you still listen to CDs? I do. You do? I have, Shit. I looked at your Bandcamp and your CDs are so reasonably priced. I'm going to have to buy them because, hey, <laughs> I loved the music when I went back and listened to it. I just thought it was fantastic. And I still, here, hold on a second. Let me, I'll show you what I've got sitting next to me. Let's see. Ugh. Yes. There's, that's, a, that's a stack okay. of stuff that I've just been sent that I haven't listened to. Wait, wait, yeah. hold on. Somebody just sent me this. Oh, not. Oh, a Lennon box set. Cool. And then here's another stack. All right. Killer. Oh, and, and that's, I still have two, three more piles of CDs on this table. And that doesn't, in, that has nothing to do with the 3,500 that are down in, in my basement right now. <laughs> so what so before at the beginning of the podcast when we were chatting about uh alan yes. who plays in 11, the band so when we when we got to, when he invited us over to his house it was after we had played the troubadour and we were just all freaking out because obviously he's a like i love his stuff in 11 and i love his stuff when he played with queens of the stone age yeah but when, yeah. We, when we went into his house like like uh we just all kept looking at each other like what the fuck that's Alan Johannes, he played 11. <laughs> yeah. I will tell you this. Alan Johannes was, he came on early in the podcast. And uh, I'd, I'd say in the first 50 episodes. And I, so I've got like 320 now or something. And he was one of the first more well-known people I had, I had on. Yeah. And I told him, we were texting. And uh, so I reached out to him and I'm like, I want, I'm going to be completely honest with you right now. I'm a little nervous about this episode. And he's like, no, man, this he's like, we're going to have so much fun. Don't even worry about it. I was like, oh, that's nice. I love you, I love yeah. you so much. But, so. but yeah, man. The, so you can go to our band camp and, and get it and get the vinyl there. Or just like, you know, listen on Spotify or whatever. Anyone else, whatever anyone else does these days, but we'll probably get some CDs made. Awesome. Just so I can send them to you. <laughs> well, that's awesome. Well, I noticed there's a, it looks like there's a few left of some of the other ones, uh, limited edition ones. I'm going to grab those as soon as I possibly can. And what is the best way for people to follow you and check out tour dates, upcoming higher profile appearances? Yeah. So yeah, mainly on our Instagram is at the wands, W A N S and then on Facebook and, uh, our, our uh, website, thewandsmusic.com, And so that'll have all of our upcoming dates, tour dates and what, you know, all the new info. So awesome. Awesome. Yeah. Well, we've just spent an hour. Just, it feels like just BSing with an old friend. So thank you. This is awesome, Mark. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, thank you for, for sharing the music and for listening to the podcast that means more than than you'll ever know i really do appreciate the support yeah man thank and you
It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. Fantasy Points.